Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Now we're continuing in our series this morning, The Perfect Ten. And we're speaking about the Ten Commandments. Do you know the Bible has got 613 commandments in it in total, but it's summarized in the ten. And then Jesus comes along and he summarizes them in two. Love God and love your neighbor. By the way, first love God before you love your neighbor. Don't love your neighbor in the way he wants to be loved according to his standards and then give the rest to God. And the Ten Commandments, the first five are about God and our relationship with Him, and then our relationship with authority, and then the rest of our relationship with others. By the way, the first five commandments are our relationship, listen, with those above us. God and our parents, and also authority, and then the next five are our relationship with those alongside us. And the Ten Commandments are the perfect ten because they are literally God's distilled wisdom condensed down, and what? They are good for every age, every race, every culture, every decade, every century. They've not gone out of date, and uh, they create a just, fair, and safe society. You know, you want a just, fair, and safe society? People think it'll come by political decree. No, it won't. It'll come by people living as individuals, living according to the Ten Commandments, and you will get a wonderful society. Now, the sad thing is, and the reason I'm teaching on it again, is many people don't know the Ten Commandments. And I read an interesting uh, quote by a man called Randall Terry. He is an anti-abortion activist and a Christian has been involved in that field. But he says this, he says, I've traveled all over the country for years, speaking in churches, teaching the Ten Commandments. It's amazing if 2%, 2% of any congregation knows the Ten Commandments. Once you depart from the Ten Commandments, you have relativism, humanism, and the abandonment of absolutes. In other words, anything goes. You have anything, he says. Before long, uh, sorry, how long before child pornography is mainstream? Now, most of us go, (gasps) but think back 50 years. Hmm? Child pornography, by the way, is the next horizon and the next thing that's going to be legislated. Thus saith the Lord. And I might not be around. In fact, I hope I'm not around when it happens. Once you depart from the Ten Commandments as being the foundation of right and wrong, you are in a free fall. You see, what's the answer to crime? What's the answer to violence? What's the answer to gender-based violence? It isn't marching through the streets and creating awareness. It's individuals knowing what's right and then living that out. And when we do that, the society changes. It's the answer to theft, lies, broken marriages, broken relationships, and business even, because they teach us how to conduct in every area of our lives. And listen, they free us, they don't enslave us. Don't let Christians from other churches tell you, oh, your pastor's teaching on the Ten Commandments. Oh, he's one of those legalistic pastors. Oh, okay, our church is a grace church. No, we teach grace and truth. We don't just teach grace. And they free us because a very free society is one where people observe the Ten Commandments. Go to Singapore. You can walk around 12 o'clock at night and feel safe. 
with shopping in your hands, you know, designer stuff. People used to buy electronics. You walk around 12, 1 o'clock in the morning because people obey the law there because if you don't, you get punished. Carry a knife that's six inches, you go, to, you go to jail for 10 years, just like that. We need some law and order. And the problem with culture is not that we haven't got the right party in, it's we haven't got the right standard starting from God down. And that's not to disrespect politics, and that doesn't mean we mustn't vote. I'm just trying to get us from putting our hope in the wrong thing. And it frustrates me to see people putting their hope in something, and it just lets them down and lets them down. Take your attention off earthly things and put it on heavenly things. And... Uh, yeah, Gary Bauer, he once served in the U.S. government as a Secretary of Education, and he said this. He said, I believe if more American children read the Ten Commandments and are taught what they mean, they will predictably engage in less crime. I do believe that what you instill in a child from a young age, we know that from Kidzone, that that child will begin to live that out because you shape their conscience. And uh, that's why the, the Ten Commandments, eight of them have got thou shalt not. The only two that are positively, you know, do is keep the Sabbath and honor your mother and father. But the others are thou shalt not. And you need thou shalt nots for a good society. A good society is where people refrain from bad behaviors. And when you refrain from bad behaviors as an individual, the culture becomes a good culture. And uh, sadly, we blame all sorts of things. We blame poverty for crime. Uh, but but it's, it's strange how people in Wall Street steal. So stop getting the thing wrong. The problem with culture is individuals who don't honor God, whether they're poor or rich. And we've got to get back to God's commands and God's uh, word. And it's so sad that Christians only emphasize grace and we neglect the law of God. Edwin Louis Cole said this. He said, the Ten Commandments have never been replaced as the moral basis upon which society rests. And so when Jesus came, he endorsed the law he endorsed the Ten Commandments. He came to fulfill them. We can't earn right standing with God through them because we will always fail, but they are still God's moral law. See, when Christians say we're not under the law, it means we're not under the ceremonial law, but we're always under God's moral law. We can't earn heaven through it because that's why Jesus came and died for us. But remember, when Israel was in the wilderness, they, uh, sorry, was in Egypt, they were told, put the blood on the doorposts. Then you, then you will be saved. And then God led them out, and guess what? He gave them the law. So Christians have the blood of Jesus, but we're led out, and God's instruction to us is to live by His standards. Does that make sense? And we need to understand that balance. And people say, well, you know, if you love the Lord, you don't need law. No, you do. How many of you know that if you're a parent and you've got a child, the law says that you should use a car seat for your child? But how many of you have driven around and watched loving parents have their kids stand on the front seat while they're driving. You see, love is not enough. You need a policeman to say, oh, sorry. You see, we love the Lord, but we do need law as well. And so, just to get balance here and to understand how this works, we need to honor God and obey His law. The law doesn't save us, but it shapes us. And it's a tragic thing that people are disobeying God and turning away from Him, but the Ten Commandments will help us, and they're the cure for the 21st century ills. Now, just as before I get to the read it here in a moment, the law was given twice, and you need to know why. Deuteronomy 5 and Exodus 20. Why was it given twice? Uh, sorry, written in two places, but also given twice. First time God gave them to Moses, He came down the mountain, remember, and He smashed them. 
And you can almost think, oh, well, there's no point, you know. It shows that you can't keep the law. Yes, the first reason God gave the law was to show that you can't keep the law because they're an external force that reveals sin but can't change you. But then he went back up the mountain, he got them a second time, and this time they were kept inside the Ark of the Covenant in the presence of God, showing that without the presence of God, you couldn't keep them, and they meant to live in the recesses of your heart, not just beyond the walls somewhere externally. And so when we read the Ten Commandments, we've got to get an understanding, and the reason I take time every week to say this is because we can be overbalanced. We don't want to be a legalistic church, but we want to be a church that only lives in grace. It's unbalanced. It's an unbalanced family. None of you who are raising children will tell your naughty children when they're naughty, we love you. You broke the plate. You broke the fridge. You smashed the window, but we love you. Come sit here. We love you. We just want you to know we love you. You're not condemned. You, you took a key and you scratched daddy's brand new BMW, but we love you. we like, come here. Are you with me? It's grace and truth, and any family that's going to be sound needs love and discipline, love and correction, love and standards, not just love, love, love. In fact, love, love, love is what we grew up on, the hippie generation. Peace, love, brother. What did it lead to? It led to a whole lot of people our age today who don't know their left hand from their right. You want to know why America's in trouble? It's people our age who never came to Christ, who've got all these weird ideas, crystals by the door, energy, arranging the furniture, believing that God comes into your house when your furniture is arranged a certain way. We've lost our minds. Exodus 20, before I alienate everybody. Because some people live by this stuff. It's quite scary. And that's why I speak about it. Exodus 20, are you ready? And God spoke all these words. Remember, it wasn't Moses, it was God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. Notice that the Lord is a God who expects you to obey him, and when you don't, it is as though you hate him. Can you see that? He says here, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Be careful if you say, thus saith the Lord, you better be sure, because you can't use God's name in order to accomplish certain things. And so many people have done evil in the name of the Lord, and God says it's a serious thing. Then remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is to be a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So firstly, it's about God. Then he says, on it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male, nor your female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Here's the first labor law. People think labor laws are new. No, they're not. God said even the foreigner and the slave needs to rest. And a Sabbath principle. Then he says, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. It's the longest commandment in the Bible. Now we come to today's one. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. 
And then we read on, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. I mean, they're pretty plain, eh? They don't need explanation. They don't need a commentary. It's like, you shall not steal, especially if you live in South Africa. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, his iPhone or his iPad, and anything that belongs to your neighbor. The fifth commandment is the first of our relationship with others, but it is our relationship with those above us. Like our relationship with God, the first four commands, including the Sabbath, is our relationship with God, then our relationship with our parents who's above us, and then the next five are our relationship with others. And this commandment is positive, like I said, like the Sabbath. And um, it's a command that, that, that uh, is positive, but it also promises a reward. And to take you to Ephesians quickly, Ephesians 6, this commandment is repeated. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Do you know what this is really saying? It's not that if you don't honor your mother and father, you'll die, because most of us are still living and we've disrespected our parents. Isn't that a fact? What it says is any society that's going to long survive needs those who honor those above them. Because without authority and respect, no culture can survive. And this is more today than honoring your mother and father. This is honoring the authorities in your life. And so if your parents are dead or this doesn't apply to you right now, you say, oh, if I had known there was this commandment, I would have stayed home. No, this can help you understand the mind of God and the will of God and how authority in our lives is extremely important. Have you noticed, and I'll say this again, forgive me, but it is important for me to say this. Have you noticed how political systems, especially socialism and communism, you know what they do? They alienate you from your family and they make the state your family. They get your allegiance away from your family, and they get you to trust the state like your mother and father. That's not God's plan. God's plan is always the family and then the state. And when we get that right, then we have an ordered and sound society. Now you say, well, honor your mother and father. Isn't that like outdated? No, family killings are actually on the increase. And I was reading recently a whole article on this, but how many of you remember the guy in Stonebosch, Henry van Bredaar? the young man who killed his father and mother and his brother and attempted to kill his sister, she survived, with an axe. I mean, who does that? I mean, he's only 20 years old. You, you know, what, talk, about, talk about swearing at your parents or shouting at your parents. Imagine chopping them up with an axe. You say, well, that, that's a rare occurrence. It's actually not a rare occurrence. And, uh, and, and this is what the article I read says, such an act, though thought uncommon, is almost a daily event in the United States. Between 1977 and 1986, more than 300 parents were killed each year by their own children. So talk about dishonor. What about people who murder their own children? And they did a study in England. It's called the first ever study in the uh, Howard Journal of Criminal Justice. They studied uh, uh, what they call family annihilators, people who kill their own families, husbands who kill their own children and their own wife, and they studied them and they said there's four types of family killer. The clearest unifying factor is that this is overwhelmingly a male crime. They also found that the rate at, the, at, at which this type of crime is being committed, listen to this, has increased 
with the first decade of the 21st century claiming over half all the cases. Now, here's a funny thing. I've noticed that people will honor others, but they won't honor their own parents. And this, this woman in Iowa, she was recently in court. Listen to her. She pleaded guilty to charges of neglect with her own mother. Her name is Deborah Clip, 58. And her elderly mother died because she got burns over 20% of her body because she spilled boiling water onto her body. And her daughter left her in this condition, and her mother ended up dying from the burns. And she went to court and she said, I failed to seek medical attention for my mother from the burns she received from hot water. She wasn't seen by a doctor until 20 days later until it was too late. And so she was brought into court. But here's the irony. Here's the irony of this woman. Clip was a charge nurse at a nursing rehab center. And as part of her defense, numerous letters were submitted of support from her supervisors and co-workers and friends that describe her as trustworthy, caring, and an ideal employee. But why didn't she care for her parents? You know why the commandments are there? It's because we don't do them. Thou shalt not steal. Why is it there? It's because we have a tendency to take that which is not ours. Even intellectual property we steal. People steal ideas. They steal other people's invention. They steal from other people's books and then pass it off as their own. We, we have, we, that's why thou shalt not. So thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother. Why? Because we don't. Let me give you an outline of what I want to say today. I want to give you seven reasons why there's so little honor and dishonor. And I'll do that briefly. Then I want to give you four, four principles for honoring from Scripture where Paul talks about honoring our parents and our family. And then some practical principles after that for us to apply today. Some of you think we won't get through it, but watch. So let's look at seven reasons why we don't honor our parents today in society. Number one, the breakdown of the biblical family unit. There's no such thing as a biblical family unit anymore. You know, mother and father, just by the way, are God-designated roles and titles. They're not human-created. They were not created by a political system. And parents and family are not whatever we think they are. They are God-designated. However, today, anyone who gets together in any kind of home, whether three or five or whatever gender, is considered a family. That's not what the Bible teaches. And so we don't even know what a parent is. In fact, if friends live together today, they call it my family. Now, that's very sweet, and I know what you mean, but it's not a family. We need to get back to the biblical understanding of what a family actually is and how a family operates. If you don't know what it is, you'll never know how it operates. Number two. Here's a reason. Younger people tend to have more knowledge than their parents. They might not have more life experience. They might not have more wisdom. But most young people, because of the internet and the proliferation of knowledge, know more than their parents. As a result, they look down on their parents and don't respect them. I know more than you. And so there's no admiration. They see themselves either on a par or better. And so there's no respect. Number three, negative home experiences of many people. Many people have grown up in homes where there's been sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, uh, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, and as a result, they don't respect homes, they don't respect parents, and uh, they are put off by that, and they've had poor home lives, 
and they have had poor role models as parents. Here's the thing. When you see the wrong thing, don't be put off by it. Believe that there's a right thing. Let me explain it to you like this. When you, when you come across a 200 rand note, that's counterfeit. If you've ever had that experience, they put it under that blue light. Sorry, this is fake. You don't walk out the bank saying, I'm done with money. That's it with money. No, you look for the real thing because it has value. So when you've had a bad home experience, don't, re- don't reject parenting, don't reject marriage, don't reject uh, uh, the biblical lifestyle. Say, I've seen the counterfeit, but I'm looking for the genuine. Can you say amen? Number four, the reason why there's so little respect for parents is we have an independent way of life. There are no longer many generational homes that exist. You go to certain cultures, there's generational homes, especially in India. The grandparents, the great-grandparents, the family, they all live together. In fact, they move into the home. Not saying it's ideal, but there's no longer any of that because we are so independent. People now today live for opportunity. The job market, you can travel the world, the internet, you can work anywhere. And as a result, we've got a very independent, the rise of individualism says, I'll do it my way and I'll do it how I want. And so people want to leave their families as quick as possible to pursue their own goals. So there is not that much sense of being connected. Number five, we have less inclination for real relationships. Because of online and internet and TV and all these things, We no longer have that inclination to relate. People call you a friend on Facebook. That's not a friend. That is a tick block. (laughs) But we think it's friendship. Isn't that true? And, uh, and, and, And can I say this? You're watching me at home today. There is less inclination to come back to in person services because I can get what I need, but that's not what being a Christian is. Christianity is getting what you need, but also giving what God has given you. It is a two-way street of relationship and serving and being with other believers. But we have less inclination for that because we can get what we want remotely. Number six, parents have lost sight on how to raise children. So because parents don't know how to raise children, children don't know how to respect parents. They don't know how to honor them. In fact, a lot of parents, and if you're a parent watching in Kailami today and online and anywhere else in the world and in the room, don't try and make friends out of your children. They will become your friends later. They need you to be the moral authority over them so that one day they will respect moral authority anywhere. In church, in culture. You see, the reason we don't respect any authority is because we don't, it doesn't start in the home. So don't try and be a pal to your kids. Be the moral authority over them and know that that's what's required to raise children. And I said it before, I think in both previous messages, children are not taught to be good anymore. They're taught to be successful, clever, famous, rich. No, we need to teach them how to be good. That's your job as a parent. This is how you behave. This is what you don't do. No, don't climb on the coffee table. Get off. People visit you and their children climb on the table and you're like, is it my generation or is this what we do now? And then you go to the shopping center and they're running up and down, trying on clothing. We were in the store yesterday, they were trying on clothing, putting on caps, chucking the stuff down, running through the store. I'm like, we are are your parents. No moral authority. You think freedom is the answer. Look at South Africa. 
Look at what freedom does. You go through red robots, you smash up women, you commit crime. That's what freedom does. We need some kind of moral authority. You know, it's so basic what I'm saying. It's just like we've lost our minds. And we need to get back to understanding some of these principles. And that's why we have family conferences, because we believe that a good society comes from good individuals. And it all starts in the home. Number seven, the last reason here why respect and honor is not so common today is we don't know what honor means. We don't know what honor means. How many know our culture prides itself in dishonoring those in authority? It prides itself in dishonoring those in authority. And we think that to go on Instagram and Twitter and call them out is such a good thing to do. And we don't realize it actually harms us because when you're in authority or when you're a parent, then you've got none because you've actually spent your life undermining authority. What's the definition of honor? I think it will come up on the screen. Fix a high value on, prize highly, okay, just listen, appreciate, pay tribute to, to esteem according to actual value, not performance. See, this is why people don't honor their parents. But you must see my father swears. No, you're supposed to honor him even if he swears because he's your father. He was the seed bearer. That's where your life comes from. It's not because of performance. You don't drive down the street and there's a policeman. And you, you get them off now, roadblocks, where they just want to see your license disc. You don't drive past going, no, they'll chase after you and shoot you. You just say, I know him. There's old, what's it, Mpo? There he stands. Chris left his wife, drinks, cheers, Mpo. They will come after you. Ba, ba, ba. They will shoot you. Why? Because they have authority. It's not based on their personal performance. If it was, none of us would stop. <laughs> Honor according to who they are. Not according to performance. And respect, it's admire, appreciate, commend, dignify, enable. See, it's the office and the role or the position that they have, not their performance. And if respect is removed or honor is removed from society, chaos ensues. And we have rebellion. Rebellion is in our hearts and it wants to put us over authority. 1 Peter 2 and verse 17 here quickly, show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers, fear God, honor the king. We're talking about Nero at the time, who was burning Christians alive. Slaves, submit yourself to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. In other words, you show respect not based on performance, but because of who you are, you show honor. Are you with me? And uh, we need to recognize that. So let me give you four principles this morning for showing honor that Timothy was given by Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 5. Are you all being helped by this today? And I need to go quickly, but I, I do think it's important to say some of the foundational things over and over again every time I get up to speak. So 1 Timothy 5, here teaches us, and teach, Paul teaching Timothy as a minister, this is how the church should function. And he says, do not rebuke an older man harshly but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with all purity. 
When you treat, can I just say, if you, some of you men, if you've got young women, call on me and online and in the room, you've got young, sexy women working with you in your office. Hey, Pastor Andre, I can't concentrate. They come past the skirt, the tops. Of, the, I pray, but God doesn't help me. You've got to just look at them and go, if this was my sister, you know what you'd be like? But because you see them as, that's your problem. The way you see someone changes the way you relate to them. Some people are sitting there saying, but I like it. <laughs> give proper recognition. King James says, give honor to those widows who are really in need. Watch this. If a widow has children and grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. So the church shouldn't have to look after people. Their own family should. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions too so that, they, that no one may be open to blame. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. The Bible tells us exactly how we ought to treat people, especially our parents, especially older people. And I'll give you four things here that this brings out quickly. The way we speak to them. If you want to know how to honor your parents, uh, how do you show honor to your parents? The way you speak to them. Don't rebuke an older man. Treat him as you would a father. Don't swear and shout and be rude to your parents. I know they are irritating. My mom was very irritating. Don't slam the door and turn up your music. Goom, 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 and they're trying to talk to you. No. You, you speak to them and don't be sarcastic. Honor your parents. Listen, if you don't honor your parents, you're most probably not going to honor God. And we've got to understand that the way we speak to our parents is the way our children will speak to us. Don't think that you can talk to your parents like they dirt and then your kids are going to honor you. Number two, the way we speak about them. The way we speak to them, but the way we speak about them. Most teenagers spend their time telling their friends how their parents suck. How are you? Oh, no, my mother. Oh, no, my father thinks he... You should actually not speak about your parents. You should actually protect what goes on in your family. And you should speak well of your parents, even if they've got failings. Now, I'll tell you something interesting. In the book of Genesis, Noah, after the flood, got drunk. And he lay in his tent uncovered, naked, drunk. And Ham went in and saw him. And instead of covering him up, he called Shem and Japheth. And he showed them the father's nakedness. They went in backwards and covered him up. And this is what the Bible says. And when Noah awoke from their drunkenness, he cursed Ham. So listen to me. It seems that it's more disgraceful to expose your parents than it is to get drunk. That's what the inference is. It doesn't say Noah was cursed. The Lord didn't say cursed be Noah who got drunk and lay open in front of his parents. No, cursed be Ham who exposed his parents when he should have honored him. Did his father do wrong by getting drunk? He did. But actually, he should have covered for him. So don't go around telling everybody how bad your parents are and how alcoholic they are and my father sniffs cocaine and you must see my mother does this and she watches this on television. You keep those things at home. That's how you honor them. Number three, I can see this is helping one or two people. 
There's a solitary clap here and there. I know you're not used to being in church and clapping, and you also got a phone in your hand, so it is hard, hey? The way we relate to them, is this helping you in Kailami and online? I think it might be. The way we relate to them, they are not your friend or your brother or your sister or your colleague at work. They need dignity. They are not peers, and they created us, the Bible says. They're your source of life. And so it's very important, and uh, Proverbs 23 says, Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. You know, when you're 15, a mother of 40 can be old. So we've got to, we've got to respect our parents, and we've got to re- relate to them correctly. They are like God. They are above us. And then number four, the way we look after them. It is so important for us to look after our parents. Here it says in Scripture that we should provide for them. And uh, don't resent having to provide for your parents. My sister and I had to provide for my mom, and it was a responsibility we took on. When you're raising your own family, there's not much expendable income. You know, today my children are all grown up, and they've left home, and I think, gee, I could do such a good job of looking after my mom now, but she's not around now. And I did what I could when I could, and it was a strain on us, but you need to do it. And uh, you show honor. And by the way, when you show honor, money is involved. That's why when a person comes to speak at Rivers, we give them an honorarium. People say, why are you taking an offering? He's a pastor. He gets paid by his church. It's not payment. It's honorarium. We esteem him for coming here and traveling and leaving his family, and you show it by money. Study Malachi. We don't have time this morning, but the Lord says that the people dishonor him, and they say, how have we dishonored you? You bring me blind sacrifices. You bring me lame animals. You wouldn't bring them to your governor. You see, honor involves giving, and so you honor your parents by giving. Buy them a gift. Don't buy them rubbish. You know, I go to the china shop there. What can we buy? Oh, yeah, cheap tools. You know, my dad needs appliers, and two days later, it's broken. No. Buy the best. You only have one opportunity, and I'll tell you something as an older person. You will regret what you didn't do. You'll never regret what you did. And so principles for honor from the scriptures here. I've got a couple of minutes left, but I'm going to give you practical principles for showing honor. Are you ready to write them down? At home, in Kailami, and in the room? Number one, remember what you sow is what you reap. Your attitude to your parents will determine what you get in your life. The way you treat them will be the way your children know how to treat you. And your turn will come. Listen to me. You will get old. You will get forgetful. You will get gray hair. You will get hair growing out your ears. It takes me a few moments in the morning to wash my face and brush my teeth, but it takes me quite a few minutes to get rid of the hair in my ears. You can laugh at older people, but you will get old, and you will need grace and patience and kindness, and, and when, you, when you forget stuff or you repeat yourself, what you sow is what you reap. Number two, honor them for who they are, not what they do. No one is perfect, and everyone makes mistakes. And I've already said this, but this is what I want to say to you today. Forgive your parents. They are doing their best. Maybe they didn't have good role models. You know, parenting doesn't come with a book. You make it up as you go. And then you have regrets. You get it wrong. You're not always sure of your child's temperament. You say things that are hurtful. You are too harsh. Maybe, maybe you're not harsh enough. Maybe, maybe you're not strong enough. Forgive them. Let it go. Honor them for who they are. They're your life source, 
not what they do. Number three, recognize all of us have an inherent tendency for rebellion. And our society is feeding us free thinking, free thinking. That's why even when people come to church, they don't want to be told where to park, where to sit. It's because rebellion is in us. And if, if you're going to raise children and, 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 and you're going to honor your parents, you're going to realize there's rebellion in us that pushes back. And we need to sometimes humble ourselves. Number four, demonstrate honor by showing appreciation. Some of you need to do this today when you leave the building. Number one, give to them. I said it already. Give to them. Provide for them. Honor the Lord with your substance. Then your bonds will overflow. Isn't that true? Your vats will be brimming over with new wine. When you honor, there is a reward. So give to them. Number two, respect them. People don't know, but in Leviticus 19, it says, rise in the presence of the elderly. And you need to remember that when I'm around. Yeah, it says, rise in the presence of the aged or the elderly. It's a way of showing respect. How do you show respect? Shake someone's hand. Greet them. Don't just call them. You know, people say, well, why do you call Pastor Andre, Pastor Andre? It's the only way people know how to show honor in a practical way. But some people like to come in the foyer and say, hey, Andre. In other words, I ken you from, I ken for Joe from Cape Town. That's dishonor. It's not friendly. So when you talk to an older person or to a parent, you don't just call them, oh, Bob. Bob, is that Bob? I thought it was your dad. That's my dad. I call him Bob. No, don't call him that. It's a way of showing honor. In the Indian culture, you call him uncle. It's not my uncle. You call him uncle. <laughs> Number three, listen to them. Is this helping you today? Quickly, scribble this down. Listen to them. Now, here's the three stages of life, and especially African culture. Listen to me today, because people get this wrong. In the younger years, obey them. Hmm? In the older years, support them. Hmm? In all the years, respect them. So when you're young, you need to obey your parents. But when you get to 21, they can't tell you, you can't marry him and you can't do this and you can't buy that car and you can't live here and your wedding will be like this and like that. Culture can't precede the Bible. It's not meant to dominate you. So you listen to your parents, you respect them, you always give them time and say, thanks for that, but you obey them up to the age of independence and then you live on your own. That's God's plan. A man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. He shall not cleave to his parents. doesn't work. And then lastly, affirm them. That's the way you demonstrate honor. Affirm them. Find opportunity to say good things about them. Compliment them. Even if there's a lot of things there. Dad, you're always so amazing. You know so much about that. And it's interesting how, you, how you've read so much or you, you've done that. You know? And I remember you, you went to war, you know, and people don't appreciate it, but I appreciate it. You, you've got to find something to affirm them. And listen, do it now, not at their funeral. I stand some, I've done so many funerals where I stand back and the person's got six pages and I'm thinking, there they go. And dad, and dad, and dad, and, like, and during the time, I didn't even visit them, didn't even say anything to them, and didn't even buy them anything. It's no good you do it at the funeral. Some of you, you know what I'm saying? You need to do it today. Quickly, number five, be better at parenting than them. Hmm? Be better at parenting than them. If you don't like what they've done, improve on it. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And uh, learn from their mistakes, and uh, you will make them too. Number six, if, be patient if struggling with your parents. Many of you are struggling with your parents. Be patient, because one day they're not going to be around, 
and then you're going to wish they'd be around with all the challenges and problems. And uh, Jesus had challenging parents too, and he had to be patient with them. His mother and brothers came, and they said, we need to come and get him because he's out of his mind. His brothers, who didn't believe in him, said, go up to Jerusalem. If you, if you are who you say you are, go up and show yourself. So, so Jesus faced the challenge, but guess what? In John chapter 19 at the cross, what does he do? He acknowledges his mother. He honors those even though there were challenges and there were difficulties in his life. Has this helped you today? I'm going to pray in just a moment. The biggest cause of every problem in the world is the problem of relationships. You want to narrow down why you've got problems in the world? Relationships. Relationship with God, relationship with authority, relationship with money, relationship with others, relationship with your spouse. When these things aren't right, that's where problems come from, and we need to start by honoring our parents. I was reading this, and I'll just tell this to you briefly. There's a Southern Baptist evangelist by the name of James Fell Acre, and he was in ministry for 85 years, got saved at 17, used to preach three revivals a month, you know those tent revivals, days on end, he did it for 85 years, and he lived to 105, and when they interviewed him just before he died, they asked him, what do you attribute uh, your long life to, and he attributed it to four things, he said, I honored my father and my mother. I've tried to take care of my body. I've made it a habit to get rest at night, and I've tried to put my God first. He put God first. He honored his parents. Can you see two areas of relationship that gave him long life? I want to ask you today, are you putting God first? Because when you put God first, you put his values and his will first. And as a Christian today, maybe you can start honoring your parents, begin right now. Uh, I'm going to hand over to Pastor Dev in Kailami, and he's going to pray with you there. And I'm going to continue now with you here just briefly. I want to, I want to encourage you, honor your mother and father. Make a decision today. Go home, or if you're at home, make a decision right there and say, you know what, from now on I'm going to change my attitude because this relationship is as important as my relationship with God, and it comes with a promise of long life. Then if you're in the room today, you know, James Falaker said, I put God first. Have you put God first in your life? Maybe you've put work first, you put your own ideas first, but really what you need to do is you need to put God first. You might be visiting today, and you've never put God first. You know how you put God first? You believe in the Father, and you believe in His Son, Jesus, and you make Jesus Lord of your life. The Bible says in Romans 10, if you confess Him as Lord, in other words, He's in charge, He's first in your life, if you do that, you shall be saved, and then you grow in grace and in the knowledge of God. Come bow your head quickly across the room with me, and I'm going to pray. I've got two minutes, and I'm going to pray with you. But with your head bowed, your eye closed, and if you're with me online at home, today you say, you know what? I need to get right with God. You Maybe you're a Christian. You say, man, I've lost my way. I've, 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 I've just, I'm not where I should be, and I just want to put Jesus in charge of my life. It's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to do often, but especially today, you don't know the Lord. You've never put Jesus first. You've never made God your Father and Jesus, His Son, your Savior. Today, you can do that right here, right now, and I'll lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to call you to the front, but together, we're going to pray, and you can make Jesus the Lord of your life. And the Bible calls it being born again, and there's a transformation, and you begin to walk with God, and He begins to reveal Himself to you, and He reveals His will to you. So if you would like to pray like that this morning, right where you're watching me online, 
you can respond there. But in the room, you say, that's me. I need to rededicate. I need to commit my life to the Lord. Just raise your hand up all over the building. Say, yeah, that's me today. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Up in the gallery, I'm looking up there. That's you. Just raise up. Yes, thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Wonderful. Just respond to God, especially in His presence. You know, you come to church, you're in His presence. It's like a good opportunity to say, Lord, I made the effort today. Here I am. I want to I I get right with you. I want you to touch my life. You'd be amazed how different you can leave this building. Anyone not raise their hand? You say, yeah, quickly, just add me. I, I, I want to make that commitment. Thank you. I do see hands up. Awesome. You can put them down and we're going to pray. Won't you pray with me all across the room? And if you like at home, you can pray with me too. Let's pray like this. Thank you, Father, for Jesus, our Savior, who gave his life for our sins. We make him Lord today and put him in charge. We rededicate our lives and make him the Lord of our lives. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Save me. Restore me. Renew me. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 